Well, hello there, and thank you for tuning in to the Shameless Sex Podcast. I'm Amy, sex educator, somatic sex and relationship coach, and sex shop owner. And I'm April, VP of an international high-end pleasure product company and boss queen sex toy mogul. We're best friends who make our own rules about who we are as sexual beings. With everything from how to be a badass in the bedroom, to pussy praising, to top tips for bringing your relationship to the next level, we have something just for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. All right. Hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. We are here recording a um, very different kind of podcast. We're at a festival. We're at the Oregon Eclipse Festival. As this is part said. two because we already recorded one in an RV this earlier. We just saw our erotic empowerment workshop, erotic superstar. And now we are in a tea house with some wonderful people. And they're going to keep their names and information private. But um, we are here to answer any sex questions that they may have. Online, because I, I realize that and people, a lot of people have the same questions. It's very similar. Or we ask a question and we're like, ah, oh, thank God you answered that question because I had that question too. Uh, or we also realize that shared experiences. We all have the same kind of kind of qualms around sexuality. So it's really helpful to hear real life perspectives. You know, you can hear our perspectives left and right. And, you know, we've been doing a lot of this work, but it's great to hear other people too and where they're coming from. And we encourage you, our listeners out there in podcast land, to always email us your questions. Um, anytime you have a burning deep desire to ask us something that you want to know, we're at shamelesssexpodcast at, gmail. at gmail.com. Or you can, there's a link on our website, shamelesssex.com. So without further ado, who has a question? Sexuality. Ooh, All yes. Right. You want to travel over there? We're I'll go over there. Thing. Let's see how far we can go. Oh yeah. All right. All Here right. we go. Friend with a question. So I was raised fundamentalist, uh-huh, and uh-huh. I had to work through a lot of shame uh, to liberate my own sexuality. And so the sex partners I had since leaving fundamentalism have always been much more experienced, much more comfortable with sex, and they held space for my process as I'm working through stuff. And over the last few months, I started to feel that shift where I'm starting to be more experienced and more comfortable with my sexuality than some of the sex partners I'm having. And I'm realizing that I'm now in a place where I have to kind of hold space for them. And I'm feeling a little surprised and overwhelmed by that. And I'm looking for some tools uh, to deal with somebody who's not comfortable with their sexuality but wants to engage and I want to engage. And I'm in the position where I kind of have to facilitate that. Yeah, that's a great question. So the the tables have turned for you, and now you're in the space holding uh, place, and you're in the, the kind of the more confident space where you're feeling good where you're at, and you're seeing other people's stuff come up, their insecurities. Um, as whenever we talk about sexuality, it's clear that we're trying to normalize it as much as possible, including normalizing the insecurities. You know, I understand that this is kind of edgy. I understand that this is challenging, um, and allowing for whatever comes up in someone and supporting their insecurities and their fears as it comes up. And what we find is the more we talk about things openly and honestly, it inspires others. And especially sharing your own, your own path and of, of getting to where you are, 
Um, you know, we both got started working in an adult store, and she worked at the store that my mom and I own. And, and then, we, you know, we kind of went from there. And we noticed that when customers come in, they're in that timid place. Oh, God, it's so scary to ask questions about sexuality. You know, I want to buy a vibrator, but it's so scary and They want to know it's okay. They almost want to feel like it's okay to be this way. Someone just came up to me at the end of the, the talk and um, was like, uh, have you ever heard of, you know, having sex without coming? And, um, and I was like, yes, of course. And he's like, is that okay? I was like, 100%. It's okay. You're okay. You do whatever is consensual and feels good to you. Yeah, and the more that we normalize, when people come in, they ask those questions around, well, like, I want a vibrator, but I'm absolutely terrified to ask you this question. When we talk about it really openly with no shame, we model that and it inspires that in them. They're like, oh, okay, this is okay. It's okay to talk about this. And reminding people that it is a practice, normalizing their fears, normalizing that they just might be out of practice, that, that you know, you had your upbringing, the fundamentalist upbringing that made it so that you have done work to get to where you are. And letting them know that, like you're you're going to be here for them as along the way as they're going through that journey as well. And a lot of times, the main thing that people are scared of is losing the love. It's if I'm too much or if I'm not enough, I might lose the love. I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z because I don't want to lose the love. So it takes courage to also give them give them that safe space. Let them know, like, just that it's an open environment. It's it's you're going to be there. You're not creating a solution to to listen to their shame. Yeah, and let them know you're not you're not going anywhere. Like, I mean, maybe or maybe you are going there, but like you you know you can show me or ask me whatever it is that you that you want. I'm not going to abandon you because I'm because you you're too much. Like you are you're perfect just the way you are, and I'm not I'm not leaving. And people need that reassurance. They need to hear that they're that it's a safe space to be seen, and that you're not going to take the love away from them if they show their vulnerable sides. Because that's what it all comes down to. We're all terrified of losing the love from partners, from friends, from, you know, in business, whatever it is. We're absolutely terrified of it, and we're trying to do whatever we can to, to not lose the love. And in, that, in turn, what we do is we kind of hide certain parts of ourselves. So when we can convey to someone, I'm not taking my love away, no matter what you show me, uh, then it creates a lot of safety That's creating that safe space again. That's like um, letting them be vulnerable. Question? You over there? Yes? Okay, I'll come with I'll help over here with my mic. You want to microphone it? Here you go. Please. So uh, sort of on that uh, realm is I find that the place, I'm a very outgoing person. I know when I need practice, I will say it outside to myself. I will take those leaps. I love putting myself outside the box. It's what I live on. And so it's really, really, really strange when I go to talk to another person that might be a romantic thought or just a stranger that is very pretty or my brother is one of them, obviously not a romantic thing. Um... But whenever I get to that stage, I start losing my words. I start losing all the fun stuff that I do, all the great things that I can talk about, all that. And I don't know why. So it seems like I can, I know I'm out of practice, and then I practice, but then it, then I just get confused because I'm not sure, am I practicing the right thing? Am I internalizing what they're bringing back at me and thinking that now something's wrong? That's where all my confusion starts hitting but then you know when we're out just with friends and everything's all right none of that's there none of it so it's a complete mystery to me it's been my question for literally years and years and years and here we are it sounds like it's a head thing like you're in your head and you're not in here and 
and that's yes. where you live. And it's it's important to kind of uh, access like the feelings that you're having and be free with them. Granted, I know sometimes if it's a stranger on the street, um, you want to tell them they look great. I mean, just try it. I mean, if you're there, there's fear of rejection always. We're humans, and that's vulnerability. That's like exposing your vulnerability. It's 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 mind blowing though if you can just have the confidence. Power pose. If you see somebody that you want to go up to and and have a conversation with, power pose. Do the big thing. Get 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 boost that testosterone, lower the that cortisol, and just speak from here. And I know that sounds conceptually hard, but the more you practice the, uh, the, I'm, I'm saying power posing is like, it's genius. Literally there's children that had autism, um, mutism that practice these things in, um, different situations. And they, um, were able to be more social because it's, it's this, um, chemical shift that you're doing, um, just within yourself because it's, it's natural. It's like, what's, what we're geared to be as humans. We have this ability. Well, it's, it's funny what pressure will do. So you're saying that, you know, around friends, it doesn't come up. You can just, you know, flow freely. But then when there's the pressure of, you know, flirtation or, or romanticism or something, that's when all the, the things come up that can kind of hold us back from now all of a sudden we have the wall come up because we're terrified of being rejected, you know, losing the love when that comes in. And so that in itself can be a complete reframing. Um, I, I met this woman who taught this friend's first dating workshop and what she said was when you go out there in the world and you're maybe you want to flirt or you talk to people and you want to talk to people and maybe go into a romantic or intimate space to go to reframe it as you're just going there to meet new people and make friends and then it can take the pressure off of i'm going out there to flirt i'm going out there to connect and i in hopes of it being intimate instead it's all about just connecting in a friendly way and then if the other stuff happens then that's a bonus and sometimes with the reframing part of a we're just out there to just make friends, and then the other stuff ends up happening naturally because we took the pressure off of the conversation. It's really this pressure. It's a mind fuck. We're just literally like, oh, oh God, like this, the dynamics well, have can, shifted. Totally, and I can relate because I, um, as you were mentioning, feel like very similar. Like I'm an outgoing, charismatic person, and before I, I use some of these tools, especially in business, I was terrified. I'm like, all these people have all this experience. Um, you know, I was just a director of sales before this, so I was frightened to go into these huge board meetings where. I I thought like, you know, I, I studied law. I didn't study sales and um, business. So it was for me intimidating and scary. And, you know, you're, you're like, you don't even know if people are going to respect you and there's fear of rejection and then there's money on the table too. So for me, I, these like shifting and change, people always say now they're like, you are confident as fuck. Like, I'm like, yeah. And it's not false confidence. I've just slowly gained the confidence over time by, um, by some of the tools that we practice. So you gave me my question. I'm very confident, and I do walk up to those people. I do all those things that you said, and so, so here's what I'm seeing. Um, as an example, I'm very confident for the first two minutes. I got stuff. I got small chat. We can do that and this and blah, blah, blah. And it even happens with my friends, just to be fair. Once it gets to a certain amount of time, the silence comes, or I feel like I'm expected to fill in all the silences. They they shut down. Um, so I think I know what my answer is. I'm going to phrase it this way. Will that go from two minutes to three minutes the next time you practice to four minutes the next time you practice? Will it get easier? Is it saying you're asking? Yeah, the more you practice, will it get easier? Yeah, 
Yeah, the more you practice, it should it definitely should get easier. With the um, steps back and then steps forward. Exactly. Yeah, the more yeah, the more we practice, it should get easier in terms of like so now it's that come, happens in 2 minutes. Oh god, here comes all the things I'm losing my words. In a, in a good thing in that moment, take a break, take a breath. You can even, like, a lot of times we think that, you know, silence is really uncomfortable. We have to keep going. We have to fill the space. Oh, now there's silence. So now the connection's over. Connection doesn't end in silence. We can actually say in that connection, like, like I want to stay connected to you. I just need a minute. I'm going to take a breath and take a minute to go in. It's okay to press pause. And just by saying, I want to stay connected to you, I just need to press pause for a moment. It's great. I have this this rule um, called the 80-20 rule. And it's like... Another, like nothing is like in, in, especially in conversation, if you're talking 80% of the time, you should check in and give them the, do 20 on your end and listen for 80 and 80, 20 in anything, like no matter what, what if consumption in, in anything with life, everyone says, you know, do things uh, minimally or, um, what, how does that go? Everything in not moderation, moderation. I was like, minimally, minimalist, uh, minimalist. Uh, but do things in moderation. I like the 80, 20 rule in anything. So you don't always have to be the one talking and I'm a talker. People always say that with our podcast. They're like, does Amy get words in edgewise? But it's a practice. It's almost more powerful to listen than it is to just be talking all the time. And I'm like, I know you want to be heard. And I have friends, good friends that will talk. I feel like talk at me. And I'm like, Hey, Hey, how about we 80, 20 it a little bit. And I'll just check in with them. And like, you're right. You're right. I'm so sorry. You shut the fuck up for a minute. It's like, and it's really helpful. And I'm like the 80, 20 rule. And uh, in business, I do it too. Even if I'm like, I have so much to say. I'm like, April, take a breath. Let's take it. The power of taking a breath is big. And again, we can, we can do it at any time. It's okay. And again, when we convey the thing I I want to stay in connection to you or like this isn't that I'm not interested in talking to you I just need a moment like this is my thing it's okay most people will be like all right awesome they want to stay connected to me and like I get that it happens to me too I I do that I definitely do this I definitely am like feeling a little overwhelmed feeling out of words feeling a little antisocial all of a sudden oh god but I want to stay connected what's written then I start judging myself I look at the festival all these people are connecting like why am I not as connected oh yeah I need some time. We've talked about the levels of listening before, too. There's, like, I think three levels of listening where most people just listen and they're in their head thinking of the next thing they're going to ask or say. Yeah, level one. Level one. Level two is, like, you're listening, but... Well, you're, li- you're, you're listening. You're actually hearing them is, like, is level two. Level three is you're listening and you're feeling them. Right. You're feeling their energy. You're paying attention to their body. You're, like, fully there. And most so people I, are spending a lot of time in one. Most people are just, like, thinking of their next thing. And, th- and I used to be a, such a, a level one listener, and I've grown hopefully over the years and it's a practice again um, to be a level three listener where I really like try to tune in with the person um, and it's super helpful so um, should we do another question thank you for that question, question number or uh, where do I have a whole minute okay where do, I'm gonna go here first and I'll come to you, here you go. so um, working through a lot of sexual trauma myself I actually made my partner literally just separated because of this he's actually very traumatized as well and we just came together and just traumatized each other and he wanted more communication from me so I I I did that but not in the moment because it was really just difficult to know what I needed or what I or to be like I need um I need a ground in like I, I just couldn't be there at that space and then afterwards I was able to finally contemplate it all and I just it was too much to for for it to be all at once and so I guess just working through trauma sexually and like, especially when you have two people and like the relationship, how do you keep, like, I don't want to lose that relationship because of something like that. 
Amy is really great with this because she does. A, she, she has clients that you work with trauma. Yeah, often. I do. I, so I'm not a licensed sex therapist. I'm a sex and relationship coach. So I do light work with trauma and um, and wound, wounding because it always comes up past wounding. Um, and I'm more so work on you know where we're stuck and how do we move forward. Um, one thing have you have, have you um, been receiving outside help like the therapy or anything like that in your trauma? Therapist, yeah. Sexual, on sex related, so no, not on sex related stuff, yeah. So there's therapists, there's good therapists, there's not so good therapists. Not so good therapists just listen to you and they are like your journal that you're writing in. Great therapists are actually going with you in the journey and trying to give you the missing experience that you didn't get when you had the trauma. Um, and there's a lot of really great ones if you don't know of any, I would ask around. And especially great therapists, because some therapists aren't aren't equipped to talk about sex they it's it's triggering for them um and they can talk can create some shame around it if they're not ready for it um so finding someone that can guide you because this is the thing so we were designed to live in community like back in the day we were all living in tribe and in community and we were all helping each other you know raising each other's kids foraging together and working out our shit together i would imagine it wasn't just like oh and this is we live in this nuclear family idea isolated world where we have shit and it's like I need to keep it and do it on my own. No, no, no. You get a team of guides to help you. And especially when it comes to a partner, when you feel like you two are both highly triggered and stuck and have deep trauma um, and your triggers are so intense that you can't move through them, you get help. And you have someone move through them with you, like a mediator, a guide, or, a, or an intensive therapist that can guide you along the way because you shouldn't have to do it alone. Um, and you, you could even have, you know, friends or something mediate that, although they are usually very biased. And so it isn't usually the best go-to to have someone with a non-biased opinion. Um, and so that's one thing I would say, don't try to do it alone, and especially and even with your partner. Hey, we're both highly traumatized and triggered and I, it feels like we're stuck. We should get outside help so that we can have someone work through this because we're not having the tools. And probably together too. I mean, yeah. um, and on your own, together and on I, your own. Right. Yeah. That'll help create the balance. And then when those things come up, when you're feeling stuck again, like she was saying, you know, creating the win-win, pressing pause, taking time, going and tending to yourself because when we get triggered, especially when it comes to deep trauma, we need intense self-care and if we don't give it to ourselves, we get more trauma. So saying, hey, I'm getting going in my trauma response response right now. Whatever that feels like for you. Sometimes it's shutting down. Sometimes wanting to run away. Sometimes you get angry. You know, whatever it is. I'm going into this space. I need some time. I again, I still want to stay connect, connected to you, but I need some time to cool down because otherwise the words might not come out. Otherwise we might shut down and we get stuck. Um, really, really important things. Like, and remember to stay away from the whole, like, you make me feel this way. And remember that it's um, it happens from within you. And um, reframing the way you present that information to your partner could be extremely helpful, too. Getting yeah. that I feel this way when or... I have this really great therapist who recently taught me this tool that I've been using. Um, and... And I would I would recommend doing it with a therapist first, but it's um, I get a visual of when I'm in my trigger space. I get a visual of my hurt little little person, uh, whatever age she is. We had two questions right here too as well, um, and and I get a visual of what she looks like. And so when I'm in my trigger space, I'm feeling anxious. You know, maybe my partner isn't feeling like I don't feel like they are wanting to spend time with me, and I'm getting triggered. I'm getting anxious. What I do is I visualize my hurt little girl, and I actually hold her. I check in with her, ask her, "How are you feeling right now?" And she's like, "I'm." Fine fucking terrified and I feel alone and I'm scared and she's shaking and I literally wrap my arms around myself this is like a Hakomi somatic practice um, wrap my arms around myself and give her what she needs because again it comes down to us and so 
Um, having a therapist do that with you initially to work through the trauma work is important. And then eventually we can give it to ourselves because when we're relying on a partner to do it and they're triggered too, and they can't show up for us, we get, we get stuck. It's a downward spiral. So I, my advice would really be find someone to do the work with and then learn tools to give, be able to give to your, yourself and take time and press pause as much as you need. And in, in, in relationship, you know, when people, does anyone identify as avoidant here? Anyone avoidant? The avoid is avoidant. Like when shit comes up, you want to run. I used to be like that for sure. When you're avoidant, when you get your avoidant trigger. Yeah, you like, get your avoidant trigger like, oh, fuck, this is feeling intense. I need to get out of here. And you're with a person that you want intimate with. If you run, it can, again, trigger them too to say, hey, I'm feeling really triggered. I want to stay connected to you, but I need some time. Like it goes a long way, especially if they're anxious. It creates this thing like, okay, I'm not being abandoned, but they just need time. Like it's okay. Again, voicing that vulnerability. What Creating do you Creating the win-win too. Or come back when it feels different or when you, you know, you can have your head on um, and come from a loving place. Uh, I know it's fear. There's a lot of fear driven things. Just like in sex, we're taught to like, you know, fear the STD, fear the genitalia, but it's like creating that. Fear the anal. <laughs> don't, don't fear the anal. Don't fear the anal. Question here? Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so about a year and a half ago, I came out as genderqueer, um, and it's a very specific kind of genderqueer. I occupy both genders simultaneously, um, which was sort of a challenging thing to communicate to my partner at the time. And uh, I was able to. She was open to it. She wanted to help facilitate that. But she was also navigating her own trauma when it came to dealing with the female sex because she herself had been raped by her sister when she was young. Um, and sort of, I guess the result of that was sort of, we hit this place in our sexual relationship where things kind of grew stagnant, where none of us can really felt that we were reaching one another's needs. And of course that sort of turned into a sense of shame, you know, like she felt like she wasn't sexy for me and I felt like I wasn't capable of pleasing her. Uh, and about two weeks ago we split up. Um, and I'm happy I did it. There's all sorts of other things behind that. But, you know, the fallout from that is that right now I feel almost inaccessible to my own sexuality. I mean, at the, at the peak of that, when before we broke up, it that, you know, sort of fear and hesitation to approach one other sexuality for me turned into sexual impetus. You know, I had started dealing with... Um, What's it called? Um, premature ejaculation. And it wasn't even a matter of like, oh, this is so hot or whatever. It's overwhelming. It was more of a matter of like, I was timid to take on this situation. And um, this weekend, uh, I happened to meet two beautiful other souls who I shared an intense love connection with, right? And um, I shied away from the opportunity to engage in a sexual act with them because I didn't feel ready for that. I And I don't know how I can feel ready. I still... I'm afraid, like, oh, what if that continues to be a problem for me? You know, how do I embrace that? Because I'm still feeling this timidity. I'm still sort of afraid to connect with a person that way. Yeah, so that's that's the head, right? The head and, and the psych out. That's when we're talking about. And there's like, nothing premature about ejaculating. Yeah. We always stay away from that term. Yeah, the premature ejaculation Just, is like premature for whom? Right. Uh, it's, it's, there's, like, there's a lot of stigma around it. Um, and, and, of course, we can get shame around it. Like I say, we come really quickly, and that's not what we want. And then a partner shames us, like, ah, you did it again, you know, there's, or something along those I lines. Always, if, if, if ejaculation happens, I'm like, yay, you should feel great, awesome for you. Like, how was that orgasm? All cool, right, let's, cool. And, can we, let's, and then you, we can continue 
you playing right. in other ways? So there's that whole thing, and that's what would come from the other end of them normalizing it for you, making it safe. Um, but so what happens when you're in your in your head, like April was, and I've talked about whether it's the erotic meditation, the power posing, um, getting in your body, spending time before you go into an intimate space so you can get in there and come into a confident space um, and making it a practice so that something that you can fully embody is really powerful. Um, also, when it comes to erections, premature ejaculation, a lot of those things um, that, that come up, it's the head, right? So what happens is we are so in here that usually the thing that we don't want to happen happens. We're like, I don't want this. I don't want this. Ah, right. Cause you say, happened. I don't want, I, I, I want my dick to be hard. Oh no, it's not happening. And then you get yeah. so caught up into it or I I'll do the, Oh, I'm not feeling horny right now at all. I'm not turned on. And so I'll be like, I'm not turned on. I want to turn on, you know, and then it just goes into this space of the spiral. It's yeah. getting out of the head. And that's when the breathe, the tools that Amy was Breathing. talking about, like where you kind of are getting into that space of like your erotic self, finding that erotic self, breathing into it, feeling sexy what turns you on and do it in the bathroom before you know your experience with these with the, the car the car or wherever is a space that you feel safe and the other the other thing about that too i like this seems to be a topic of this talk it's okay to slow down and press pause when you're feeling you're, you know you're starting to touch them when you're feeling the anxiety intensity you can say hey this is feeling really good like really fucking good i need to slow down and take some breaths and just like just be for a little bit. Is that okay? I want to stay connected to you, but I just need a little time to calm my system down. And you can always start it with that kind of positive um, reinforcement, that positive affirmation. Like, this feels really good, and I want to keep doing this. I just need a minute. I just need some space and start to breathe. And if a lot of times when it comes to erections and premature ejaculation, there's also too much focus here. It's like right here and right here. So you can start to breathe, focus on your lower belly, start to focus on the thighs, anywhere. Take the focus out of the genitals and out of the head and into the body, but in other places that aren't your erogenous zones, and those can help to lower the um, the anxiousness. And also, um, breathing is important. If we breathe fast, the, ha, 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 it heightens our arousal. It makes it so we can actually come a lot faster, so it can be really useful if we want to come faster. But if we want to calm the system down, it's the <sighs> slow, deep breaths. And again, it's okay to press pause, to take breaks. We, we just, we constantly feel like we need to fill the space. Once I start something, I can't stop. We can stop. This is part of the consent issue as people keep going because they've already started touching and now they feel like they have to do it. Or, you know, or in terms of what you're talking about, it's, look, the energy is getting heightened, but, we, but maybe you don't feel comfortable enough saying, hey, this is getting really intense and I'm really loving it and I just need some space because I'm my intensity is, is really warped up and that's a tool that can be make you more confident because now you know I have a tool I can press pause any fucking time I want to I can breathe I can say I want to keep playing with you but I just need a half an hour to myself is that okay and, and you know they might say you know when you come together maybe their energies calm down but that's okay it's you need to take care of your needs right and that's power posing could come in really really I mean effectively for that kind of thing because it's the pressure and cortisol could go hand in hand with each other. Cortisol is a stress hormone. And so yeah, it's definitely going to help you as well. So thank you. I have a couple of things. Could you just, I came in late to the workshop. Could you mention power posing really yes. quickly? What is that? So power posing um, in nature, and Amy Cuddy has a great book called Presence, if you ever want. She also does a TED Talk. She's a genius um, professor who went through some trauma and actually lost a lot of her brain cognition um, in an accident. And she was... Uh, considered gifted before that and then she had to relearn everything and now she's a Harvard professor um, but she was terrified because she uh, felt anxious consistently because her brain wasn't working properly so she ended up um, meeting a professor who 
told her, like, you have what it takes, fake it until you make it. So she started doing all these studies about, like, can you train the brain to fake it into um, feeling confident? So what happened was she did all these studies. Finally, she, she faked it until she made it and then realized that, yes, we're linked because we're part of the animal kingdom. We're linked closest to bonobos um, genetically. Um, and it, they all do the same exact triggers. So even blind folks, folks have never seen anything once in their life. They'll run a race. And if they, they win, they raise their arms up. They get really big because that's like an alpha move. So in order to um, train the brain to feel confidence, you basically get bigger. So instead of, if you're at a meeting or you're feeling, you're at dinner or you're feeling and you slouch over, you're, you touch your neck, you're getting small. This is a sign of in the animal kingdom of weakness. Um, that's why alphas come in. So if you get bigger and you feel, so I, what I do is the, I do, I call it the wonder woman, but you can call it any, anybody can do it. But I get big before a meeting, I stand in the mirror and I breathe for two minutes and two minutes a day power posing. Obama is perfect example. Do you remember his like little lean back in the chair where he did this? That's another one. And and if I'm in a specifically business meetings, never have your hands underneath the table. It's also a sign of weakness. There's all of these things, but getting bigger, just like if you saw a bear in the wilderness, you get big is going to trigger your brain chemically to again, lower those cortisol levels, raise those testosterone levels and give you the actual alpha power that you need in any situation. Job interview before you're going into an intimate experience with somebody that, or you're just nervous in general. And it's been, it's, it's proven, um, scientifically. Um, and they did all this research and, and, and studies, uh, behind it. Uh, I think they tested like more than 50 different, um, people were in the study and, uh, people that power posed before a job interview scored higher, um, felt like it, the job interview went better. And then people that didn't had the opposite effect. Um, they got stuck with their words. They felt um, nervous. They felt they didn't have the confidence, but because if you go in with the alpha perspective, you get viewed as an alpha, you can take that shit out. Thank yeah. you. You're welcome. Um, yeah, and then I just had a question. And I can also, I think you guys said something about talking about sexual, you mentioned something about talking about sexuality, so I'm happy to do that too. I have a question that's come up um, right now. Uh, when you guys were talking about like asking for what you want, and um, I've been doing that practice a lot, and I am becoming familiar with rejection and things like that because I think that's an important part of asking for what you want and knowing, especially when you're relating with another person, knowing that whether they want it or not, whether they can meet that or not, that you can say thank you and um, have those kinds of practices and and the self-care and self-love. Um, and still I see that part of me that's like, oh, rejection and like, oh, holding on or I'm kind of in a place where I'm like, how do I, um, I'm feeling an exit of a relationship or a serious transition of the relationship and just feeling how it's become kind of unsafe for both of us and a lot of rejections coming up. And even when we're with strangers, like maybe I see a stranger and I'm like, I want to cuddle. I think it's less personal when it's a stranger because they're like, eh, yes, no. I'm like, okay, whatever. But when it's someone close to you and you feel rejection, there's like a bigger quality. I always go into every situation knowing that it, it there is a possibility for it to be um, re rejection. And of course it doesn't feel good, but remembering that you want to create a win-win for all the people. So I think that if you can kind of come to a place within yourself and it's hard, like that's why I use the whole hard, no hard. Yes. No, maybe. Cause I'm like a hard, no hurts for a second, like a 
like it maybe feels like a little punch in your gut, but then you can get over it. You're like, okay, I feel better. On to the next thing. Um, so even when it is with friends, it hurts. Like if a friend kind of says, uh, if someone that you honor, respect, maybe says like, hey, that was a little uh, off-putting when you said this to me. Um, or I always am like, okay, that hurts, but let me try to make a shift so I can, um, you know, try to be better from within. Well, and what I, I, th- I think it's Charlie Glickman who said this, that so rejection is a shame piece. It's I'm being rejected, me. And uh, what he says is to reframe it as a declined opportunity. It's not a rejection. It's a declined opportunity. So it's that thing again. So there's like guilt versus shame, rejection versus a declined opportunity. Um, okay, so I put myself out there and they're rejecting the opportunity instead of internalizing it as I'm rejected. It's me. I must be, you know, I must be the way I look, the way I smell, the way I act, you know, reframing it beyond this internalized thing, beyond the self. And it's just the thing, the, hey, do you want to cuddle? No. And okay, they just like, don't want to okay, cuddle right. they were they declined the opportunity a lot and of times I'm they're like, lost right. ah, i'm awesome I'm like, that's their stuff yeah. you can kind of put it as that's their stuff i get it no problem i, I know how great i am so i think that's going to be the most helpful thing we had uh, uh, another uh, question um a great explanation of the power pose oh thank that you really really good tony would be proud i know oh tony so um, I've been practicing um, Tantra for the last 25 years and teaching it in the last couple of years. And I just wanted to share something. I was wondering if you are aware of it or if you teach it in terms of premature ejaculation. Um, it changes everything if you look at the sexual connection as unlimited. In other words, that there's no goal, right? That and the orgasm is not the goal. So I generally don't come, Right for weeks and weeks. And what that does is that takes that whole destination off the table. And so psychologically, it now becomes a journey that can last for hours and hours and hours. I mean, Sting talks about having sex for eight hours. That's absolutely possible and doable. And one of the things that really helps that is kind of life-changing is that when you, when you don't focus on the genital orgasm and you focus on connecting in your heart with your heart in the heart center and with your eyes. Do you need to do something? Um, you, you actually create something called whole body energetic orgasms, which are unbelievable. So I won't have an actual ejaculation, but I can have 5, 10, 20, 30 whole body energetic orgasms that release some of the pressure that would be in my genitals and it's it's a little bit of a practice it, but it takes it takes a lot of discipline but the the benefits are so extraordinary and i would just recommend that people check into tantra and was wondering if you guys teach it or if you recommend it and I, I say this with my partner, like, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. Yeah. And I say that often because sometimes it feels like w- when that happens, which is regular, even with um, a, a long-term partner, that, and it's not like it has to happen. I, I love the, the destination um, or the journey versus the destination thing. And I use that all the time in my sexual experiences. Same as it goes for me, because I know... Um, Sometimes I am unable to, you know, have an orgasm as well. And I'm like, it's just, if it feels good, go with it. There doesn't need to be an end result. I like the reframing that, yeah, it's, if you have a goal, it's pleasure and orgasm is a bonus. Right. right. So, like, that's just this added thing. And we live in this Western culture that is so goal-oriented, especially when it comes to sex. You know, people decide that sex has failed if someone comes too Let's early or if they don't come. It's all failed. Everyone fucked up, right? Which isn't true because there's so much yummy stuff that happens in the between the point 
point A and point B. And when we lose focus of that and we're just focused on getting to where we are, one, we're not in our bodies. Now we're not present, right? Because we're, we're so focused on going somewhere else. And two, we miss out on all the yummy things in between. This is a big complaint I get from people in long-term relationships is, you know, my partner's figure out my body. And so, like, we make out for two seconds and then they start touching my genitals and they forget about all the other yummy stuff. Two words, dry journey, hump. Yeah, all my all Try kinds it of again. things. Or just soft titillating, you know, yes. nibbling on the neck and like praising every inch of the body can feel sometimes even more sensually powerful than, you know, penetration from genitals being touched. Not with right. an agenda. Yeah, it's right. exploration. And this is another thing, too. I always give people this for, for partners, especially who are. Um, feeling like they've hit kind of a stagnant place to have giving and receiving nights where one person gets to give and one receives and the giver doesn't receive in that night. They only give and there's no goals. And the receiver can make two requests. One, penetrative sex is taken off the table because that would mean that, re- that the giver receives. Um, and so that's a rule. And then there's the, the receiver can make two requests. I definitely want to make out a lot and I definitely want you to play with my nipples. And then the giver just gets to p- explore, you know, touch the body. Maybe they draw them a bath. They like massage their whole body lab them up, feed them chocolates and grapes and, you know, whatever, massage their feet and then start to explore playing with, the, you know, genitals and nipples and just see where it takes you without having goals. And all of a sudden, one, the pressure's off. People have more mind-blowing experiences because it's just that what, that armor has been lifted. Pressure is not our friend when it comes to sex. It is the, it is our enemy. It gets in the way. And the more we can get rid of that and go into it with the open mind without goals, the easier it is to come into connection and be in our bodies. Thank you for sharing that. One over here? Yes, yeah. Thank you. Um, I just had a question, and it's, um, I think I just accidentally stumbled across your um, workshop and surprisingly hit a lot of um, things that I'm going through at the moment and I'm interested in, and especially with um, anal sex, that's something that I feel that I can't talk to, like, my friends about because I know where they stand on it. Um, and that's something that my partner wants and something that I want to explore. But where I, I guess that, that what you were saying back to porn is that that's not a way for education. And I think, yeah, I'm a bit lost in that because it doesn't feel good. But I know that it can. Mm-hmm. So how do you get there? Yeah. So we, this is anal August, everyone. Anal August. Woo! For anal. anal August is all just, about yeah. yeah we anal, did a podcast. We on did this. a podcast on it. So actually, if you listen to podcasts, you ten or eleven, ten, I think, ten, yeah, probably ten. ten. Um, it's all about anal. It's anal one hundred and one. It's how to have anal in a healthy, safe, pleasurable way because there's so much pleasure to be had. And we framed the podcast in this fun way. I don't think you had anal yesterday, did you? No, no. She has never actually had anal sex, but she's like totally planning on. It, and I've told her it's she because should do I got too backed up with the bowel movements. Oh over yeah, here. she has Sorry, some bowel issues, graphic, but it's true. Whatever. Everyone poops. So. So, um, yeah, so we had a whole podcast on it because I was giving her step-by-step instructions on how to do it. So if you listen to the podcast, it will have all the information on how to do it because, yes, porn is the worst Right, and the key is prep. Like, I used to work for a company that we made butt plugs, and butt plugs can be your friend. Also, just, like, start with the finger. Time, time, time. It takes a lot of time. It's dedication. It always, like, goes slow. There's no anal penetration quickies. No, no, It's not part of it. Maybe just with, like, a finger. The porn stars have been, those porn stars, this is, like, a little-known fact, but they have been 
wearing butt plugs, like massive butt plugs all day long. Or, or at to, least like an hour or two Or before. at least, but like, yeah. and, and bigger ones, so they can have the quick penetrative anal. That's not usually how folks, unless they're really advanced, um, they can't really have those. And you need lube. The anus is not like self-lubricating. Yeah, the ass is not itself. Uh-uh. Yeah, there's so, there's so many things that, that they're just not important. They're not showing you, you know, the, the butt plug and then the prepping of the ass and the shooting lube up the ass because it doesn't lubricate itself and the deep breathing you know they make it seem like you can just shove it in and it's ready to go and that causes trauma for people and also people have traumatic experiences and then they never want to do it again right. like I don't care why anyone likes it though when I tried it it felt like the most painful thing ever anal should never be painful uncomfortable when the muscles relaxing yes pain no pain doesn't have to be on the table like, obviously, um, like, drugs as well can really hide in the experience. And there was the only one time when it actually felt really good. And that was when I was, like, pretty high on, mm-hmm. like, MDMA. So it's, like, really interesting how that... And that's my what was my next question was that is there other things that I heard when I was younger that there's um, things that, like, uh, uh, like, like, gay couples use oh, yeah. um, to, like... That's what poppers are. If you're poppers, yeah, Yeah, poppers and and like and nitrous can help a lot. Don't use numbing cream. Yeah. Well, because nitrous is, is a stimulant, right? And stimulants yeah. help to open up the ass. If anyone's yeah. ever, like, taken a bump of cocaine or smoked a cigarette, you know yeah. that it, it kind of generally makes you feel like you have to poop right away. <laughs> and it's because it opens up those yeah. the sphincter muscle. Um, so you can do those things. But what's more important, nothing numbing ever, because you want to feel what's happening, especially, like, what's the point if you can't feel it? Um, but what's more important is just the natural tools that you can do. The breath, the conversation, the slowness, the lube. And we do a whole thing in the podcast even talking about how to like positioning and how to make your way because the person that's being penetrated they should be the one actually like crouching down on the dildo or the cock it shouldn't be the other way the one thrusting from behind it doesn't that's not how it goes it's the person that's being penetrated that's in control until their muscles are completely relaxed um, so yeah, I suggest listening to that podcast. There's a lot of really juicy information there on the ES. I love talking about it. it's my favorite because it freaks people out. Well, do we have another question? All right. Oh. Um, so I'm with my partner in the bedroom and he's going down on me and it's like, I'm in my body. I can feel it. And I get to a point where I'm about to orgasm and then either it just stops or it comes up here and out as tears, like complete, like release up the top. I just wondered what that is. And it's kind of gets a little bit frustrating and a little bit upsetting when obviously it helps saying there's no goal, but yeah, just... It's a crygasm. Yeah, I'll talk about crygasms first. Crygasms are fucking awesome, in my opinion, um, because it's a, it's a deep release of some emotional stuff that you have in you that needs to come out, and um, and it, it can if you can reframe it as a really deep, important, powerful experience, it can be really, really, it can be all of those things. Like I've had some of my best orgasms have have ended in that, in tears, and just like, and and that's that important thing of having a partner that's like, I'll show, I'm you're safe here, and however you need to show up. Because what that's doing is it's re- releasing internal trauma and internal shame, internal stuff that needs to come out. And it's coming out in a really beautiful way. And if someone shames, they're like, oh, my God, what's going on? Why are you crying? Did I, you know, or maybe they think they did something wrong to let them know, like, no, this is just something that's flowing through me. You know, I'm, if you, this is true for you, I'm, I'm having a, a wonderful time. This feels good. And I have this stuff in me that comes out sometimes when I have an orgasm. Um, you could even say that to, you know, if you have a new partner and they don't know that yet, you can let them know that that's something that's been flowing through you. But 
some of like I know some sex educators like Annie Sprinkle is a um, wonderful educator. She's beyond that. She does more than that too. Um, but she her loves cryogasms. She loves it. She just like she that's her favorite orgasm is just to like and just like let the sobs come out. I just had a um, that womb healing yoni massage a couple weeks ago, and I had a deep release cryogasm that was felt so important and so powerful in its beautiful because it's coming from the core and it's and it's something that just if you reframe it in a beautiful way it really is that can be deeply fulfilling and then the piece about the orgasm you know you're getting there and then you kind of lose it um sometimes and sexual energy and this is kind of with the tantra thing it gets really stuck um especially in the a lot of times in the genitals and that's when the breathing can be really helpful when you're feeling like it's coming up to start taking the slow deep breaths maybe even tightening the pelvic floor to pull that energy up through your body so it doesn't get stuck and lost um, this is also helpful when we're wanting to have like the multi-orgasmic experiences or orgasms even without ejaculation too like we were talking about the tantra um, pulling it out of the genitals through with the breath with the pelvic floor clench can actually make it so that it moves through us and maybe can bring us over into the orgasm or make us so we have a more powerful orgasm. What's usually happening is that, that you might be getting in your head to, oh, I'm, I lost it last time. I might lose it again. You know, getting away from that, just going to the breathing and pulling it out of the genitals. Focus on that. It feels good. If it feels good and just kind of keep, keep breathing through that. I think that's a really important thing as well. So this is fun. I keep questioning my own question again and again and again, thinking that Maybe I do have the answer. Maybe I don't. Maybe I should rephrase it. Um, so I just said to myself, screw it. Let's just ask the original question. Um, I had a friend tell me one time that uh, recently, um, man, you always bring your problems up and, uh, you know, I kind of don't want to hear about it right now. And that's why he's one of my great friends. I love hearing that, you know, give me the honesty. Um I always view it differently. I'm curious about myself. I ask a crazy amount of questions. And um, I guess my question is, how do you know when you're overwhelming to that community you were talking about? How do you know when you need to step outside the community to find help, if that's the answer? How do you know, how do you find, how do you know when you're outside of that 80-20 moderation of sorts? Well, I think in general, I mean, like... Being social, kind of keeping, like, out of your head and feel the energy of the people. Like, I, I, I know that I'm a lot to take on. Like, I mean, everyone's like, you are full like, of energy. Ah! I'm always like, and... Or in the mornings. I wake up in the yeah. morning, like, really quiet yeah. in the morning. I need space. And she's like, hey, Amy, so what's going on? I yeah, check like, in with the people. I'm like, moment. is this too much for you? I'm like, I'm, you know, this is this is me. But I'll, ba- like, I, I just check in with people because I, I have a lot. And I go a mile a minute. My head goes a mile a minute. So my tool is always just to, like, check in with myself uh, I feel the vibes. You know, I take the social cues. I call them social cues. If someone's like, uh, like feeling a little bit overwhelmed with the energy, I'm like, hey, I'll just check in with them and kind of, and that's what Amy will do. I'm like, hey, is this okay? She's like, I actually need a minute. Like, slow your roll. Yeah, if you're ever questioning the situation, if you're starting to wonder, um, am I being too much, which is the insecurity coming in, um, you can just ask ask someone you if you're feeling like, hey, I have a lot of en- an energy right now, and I'm really enjoying this connection. Are you? How are you feeling? You know, how are you feeling here? Um, are we feeling like we're matching? Do we need to you know slow things down? It's okay to ask questions and to voice the things when they come up and to see. And I know sometimes it's hard to 
engage people. I know like we watch for social cues, but sometimes it's hard to notice, to, to, to read that in people. Um, so it's okay to ask. I actually, this um, one person that I teach this, we co-teach this like Tantra meets contact improv workshop together. And he always frames with, hey, I... I'm a talker and I love talking. So just let me know if I need to slow down. Like I won't feel rejected. So at any moment, so you can start conversations with this. Hey, just so you know, like I have a lot to share and I get really excited. So if you feel like we need to press pause or slow down, it won't hurt my feelings if you let me know. And that's totally okay. Question either. Yeah. I just want to say something to that. Um, one of the things that can be really helpful with friends is to have a symbol because a lot of people are not comfortable expressing that. And so if you have kind of like a little hand motion or some kind of cue when somebody gets overwhelmed, in our community we've had that where we implemented little cues where somebody can just give a little hand signal that we've agreed upon beforehand so they don't have to kind of interrupt the energy or what's going on and signal that they're not comfortable. Yeah. So. That will work too. Did you have another piece? Are you good? Feeling complete? For, yeah, good. Yeah, good. Okay, cool. What? Does it wait one, one more here? Yeah. Um, my question is referring to, I guess, getting in, in touch with my pelvis and stuff. I feel like I'm out of touch with it, and I'm not conscious that it's there. And when I'm not in touch with it, if my partner wants to engage with me, I just feel completely out of it. I'm like, don't touch me. Like, that feels weird. Like, what's going on? But when I'm in touch with it, I'm, like, so turned on, and I, like, almost can't resist like mm -hmm. because it feels good that I can feel it you know yeah yeah so that's that, that would you want to comment yeah. on that yeah. I think that that's getting in touch with what what felt good about those times that you were being touched and that you enjoyed it like what were the what I mean did you have like a, a wonderful day were you less in your head I think that's always good because there are times I mean there's hormones there's um there's different I mean sometimes we take uh you know some kind of vitamin that makes us feel weird or people are on some people are on heart medication um and there's different levels so I think depending on the day what what happened what triggered that um the good you have, like, the an good arousal feeling. journal like yeah today I was extra juicy and arousing like what contributed to that today to have a greater understanding of what stresses in life lowers that for you and what tools work to bring that up and then on top of that you know the things that we were talking about erotic meditation taking time to yourself to get into your body first instead of relying on someone else to do it for you um so make sure that you're there and you're ready and starts with you yeah it starts with you. so it's a, like, taking that time is can be just really 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 helpful or in that situation when you you know are oh, just outed well you you everyone saw you two come together that's good <laughs> When you're here with your partner, right, and you're starting to touch and you notice, I'm not there right now. Hey, I need to press pause for a minute to get there. Can I take 15 minutes to go and do so? Or five minutes, whatever. Into it again. Or do you want to breathe with me so that we can, so I can get there? It's okay. I can't emphasize this enough. It's okay to press pause. It's okay to stop. It's okay to take a time out. It's okay to be in silence for a little bit to take care of the needs. So and it's okay if you're not up. feeling it right then. Just yeah. take a minute. Create that win-win together. Okay, no problem. And then let's, trying let's to voice it in a place that way that isn't shaming. Right. You know, if so, like, if you're I like, love you. Like, ah, I hate when you touch me that way. Right. Instead, say like, "Hey, I'm yeah, I love you, and I want to stay connected to you, and I'm feeling like I'm not in my body. I need some time, or maybe I'm not feeling like playing." That right happens now. to okay. me when I drink too much wine. I'm a wine. I wine. love wine, and then I'll, I'll know like I'll feel all excited and turned on, and then it'll be getting in the moment, and I'm like, "Oh man, I'm not like I'm just not feeling it anymore." Yeah. Like I think I drank too much wine. Yeah, fun fact: one to two drinks, depending on your body size, it ups the the sex game, and after that, it's all downhill. We know right. mal. Erections are doing so feeling. hot. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not the best. That bottle of wine isn't the best thing for sex. Damn Seems it. like it in the moment. But, but I love not. wine. I'm yes. going to still drink it. She loves her Pinot Noir. Just two glasses. Any, Any more other, questions well, for anybody? Oh, 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 I'm sorry. 
So for practices and exercises, what you were saying with the breathing and trying to breathe into the pelvis and notice it, that would be a good practice to work on. Do you have any other recommendations or exercises? Breathing into the pelvis and then also the pelvic floor clench. This applies to everyone. So doing a Kegel. So breathing as you inhale, clench in. Exhale, release the pelvic floor, and that just draws blood to this area because a lot of times when we're disconnected, there just also isn't blood here. So the more we breathe into it and also touch this part of ourselves, blood goes there, and then we can tap deeper into arousal. So those Kegels really help. And it, like for me, if I do that breath for like two or three minutes by just clenching the pelvic floor and releasing while breathing the energy up and down, I can go into a highly arousal state. I'm all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, yes, there's all this because all this fire that I'm building. During penetration, too, it's really helpful because it kind of gets you the blood flowing again um, as you know female body individual so you could do the same thing prior and 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 during just clench yeah. that pelvic floor yeah, applies to all pussies cocks anyway i do it at whenever i'm at a stoplight i do like 10 kegels i'm like oh that feels great okay my question is how do you go into uh maybe adding another sexual partner and feeling like being comfortable and like just like kind of like how do, basically, how do you go into it the right way to where it both works for both partners? Communication well, is so important yeah. here, yeah. Um, some strong communication with this. Really, sure. really important. So, um, so, yeah, navigating open things. First of all, jealousy happens to everyone. Jealousy happens to the most wonderfully of poly people who have it down, and they still feel a thing of... of I'm like a little jealousy and what happens and it, it's based on a lot of things too. I've heard from some of the like these like uber poly people that their jealousy usually is coming up when they're feeling their own insecurities you know I'm not feeling that great about myself today so the jealousy gets extra triggered um, so just to know that that is going to be a natural part of it and to re- to start to learn tools on to identify when it comes up and how to manage it when it comes up and communicate it in a loving way and set your boundaries prior you know just to like um, to the experience like is it going to be someone that you know is it going to be random? But make sure that you communicate with your partner. Are, um, are you building are relationships, you, right. or are you just? Is it just is going it to just, be one-time things? Right. You know, is it open? Is it poly? Are you swingers? Are you? You know, and, and it, negotiations can take months before people actually open things but up. Both folks should feel like it's a win-win. It yeah. should be like some kind of compromise. If you're feeling a hard no about bringing in a person to the relationship or a couple of people, um, it's important to kind of figure out how to create that that win-win space. Um, um, and it takes a lot of courage and vulnerability with your partner. There's a lot of really good books on it. There's a Opening Up by Tristan Tormino. There's The Ethical Slut, which is like an open relationship kind of Bible for a lot of people. Um, and so I suggest doing a lot of work before you just dive right in because this is one of those things that's really easy for people to learn through trial and error and people to get really, really hurt because they didn't take the time to set the boundaries and they didn't take the time to, to speak their, their truth and their boundaries. I know of a lot of people who went into spaces because they were just complying because they didn't want to lose the love, and that ended up hurting them even more and actually hurt both people. So taking your time and communicating the fuck out of it to the point where it's so exhausting. You know, when my partner and I explore with some open stuff, I think we talked about it for like 
weeks upon weeks upon weeks to figure out all the rules and, and boundaries of what it was going to look like. You know, we weren't going, we decided it wasn't poly. We decided that um, we couldn't play with people that we worked with or with people that we not um, the had same to, zip codes or we right. already had this, had um, previous relationships with, or, you know, there's different, so many different rules, or maybe people like we just get to make out and, and dry hump, or maybe we get to do all the things, but there's no penetrative sex. You know, figuring out what works for you and taking as much time as possible and if you feel like you're getting stuck on the communication, doing research and getting outside support on it. So uh, for the shame piece and you want to repair that experience with someone, how do you like say, I'm, hey, I'm sorry, like without it being like, oh, words are just words. So where does that come in? I, like, I'm really, I don't want to create a trauma that's everlasting for this person. So you want to create a safe space for your partner. We're and, living in the do state. And heal, kind of repair. Repair. Repair, repair, something, repair yeah. right. So repair conversations are something that we use in our, our coaching practice. Um, and they're really hard. But essentially, first off, when we come up to someone with a thing that we want to discuss, a heavy, we don't just say... Hey, I have a heavy and you need to listen to me. We say, we give them an opportunity. Hey, I have a heavy. Is now a good time or can we set a time to talk about something? And if they say now is a good time, then you speak from the I feel space. So like, you know, I'm, I've been doing a lot of thinking. I've been doing a lot of work. Um, and I've, you know, I've, I've tapped into the deeper trauma that's here and I don't want to, you know, I'm, I'm taking responsibility for what I may have contributed here in the trauma. And I just want to let you know that I really, really, really feel in like feel for it and I feel for you and are you know whatever you want to say I'm sorry or whatever it is that's flowing through you but take time to tap into the vulnerability of it because I understand words are just words hey I'm really sorry doesn't do much as opposed to when we feel into it we're like I really feel for you like that's what people want they want to feel understood and seen and when you can go into a place where you feel like I do understand and see them and we can go in from there repair from that space then they, they can really feel it. But if we just kind of make it simple with just a whole bunch of words, they don't feel it. They need to feel it. They need to feel your understanding of them and where they're at. So just really taking the time to go in there and, um, and asking permission for a good time to go into that space and, and maybe meditating on it to spend time to tap into the deeper feeling as opposed to the heady words. Because when we do that, then it flows naturally. And also set your intention prior, like how you open the question with, I don't want to create this space of, um, I, I don't know the exact words you used, but basically saying you, want, you wanted to create a safe space for your partner where it doesn't have to be apologetic. So set your intention with like um, an affirmation of what you want to achieve out of it and think about that goal as well. That's really helpful. I'm going to go to one last question here. One last one here. Question, last question. Anyone else good? Yeah. Okay. Um, expectations. So um, the more I think about it, the more I feel like both sides always seem to have an expectation of oh, we met in a really romantic way, blah, 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 blah. Or we, you know, I, well, I would love a sex, you know, a guy to come up to me in a sexy way and so on and so forth. And uh, at least for me, that's a big, quick standstill. As soon as I think of that expectation, it just changes everything that used to be calm and collected and happy. That's it. I don't Minimize expectations. I say this about everything. I go into, I go in with a positive perspective with anything when it, I, I'm like, okay, it's not the hope for the best, expect the worst. Not like that at all. I expect the best, but I know that my expectations, um, should, 
I should minimize them. I, I, I am not, I'm myself, right? I'm in control of how I feel. Um, most of the time, I mean, I, I try to, some things do trigger me where I, uh, if I, if someone calls me stupid or says that, you know, that's like a trigger for me. I don't know where it comes from because I know I'm a smart, badass woman, but it's a trigger. And I'm like, okay. So minimizing expectations, um, is the key to life. I mean, even coming to this music festival, I was like, it's going to be great, you know, but I was like, minimize your expectations. Just go with the flow surrender to the flow. If things aren't going your way, I surrender. And sometimes I'm not like, Oh, fuck. I lost. I can't find a parking spot. I lost my keys. And then you spiral, right? You spiral and spiral and spiral, but shift your, your, just shift every negative thought you have, change it to two positives after that. All right. I lost my wallet. However, I still have my arms and my legs, you know? Yay. Something so, that uh, simple. Well, so uh, this one last note on the expectation piece before we end. Um, if, especially if you're with, whether it's friends, family, um, lovers, like he's, an example of you're coming to a festival together, sitting down before coming, hey, what expectations do we have for this? Are we coming in there with any? Are you in, getting clear on that? And it could be anything. You're going out on a date um, and with someone that you've been on a date with before. What are our expectations? Are we coming in there with expectations? Let's get clear on them so that we don't already go in there holding those things. Because once we unload them or we understand what the expectations are all of a sudden then we can either help to meet them or we can let them go um so it's okay to have those conversations beforehand are we having expectations okay what are they and how do we navigate those before so that they don't catch up with us and kind of have a hold over us and it takes a lot of courage but you all have the power everybody has the power from within um just know that you can be vulnerable you can really you you have it, it within you i mean it's just practice each every day at a time, one day at a time. And so now we're going to end. And All right. that's your cue, Chip. Thank you so much for tuning in. We love each and every one of our listeners. And thank you to all of you for showing thank up. Thank you for and all of you and your and questions, questions, beautiful people. Um, and we will Sweet. see you next Tuesday. So ciao for now. Like what you hear? Well, then head on over to shamelesssex.com for more podcasts and information on our latest happenings.